episode of the Young Lion Cast. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. Chris, how are you feeling today? My eyes hurt. My eyes hurt. Okay. Um, is this because of Tag League or just in general? Well, it's really my fault. I forgot to put my glasses on, but quite frankly, I blame society. Blame society. Okay, how is this society's fault? Just the school system really didn't teach me, but I had to wear glasses. <laughs> the school system is at fault for your ineptitude. I find that really, really hard to believe, to be perfectly honest. Just wear your damn glasses. Well, you'd, you'd, of course you'd say that as a teacher. You have to defend your profession. Though, to be fair, I've met you and didn't realise you wore glasses. Yeah, that's because that was during several months where I didn't have glasses. So you, your headache must have been banging after NXT TakeOver. To be honest, I just it just became part of, like, background. You know how, like, when you have really bad anxiety, sometimes when you're moving so fast like, um, through a day that you don't have time to register, but you have anxiety, but when you sit down and you start screaming? It's kind of, it was kind of like that, but with a headache. You know how to lighten the mood of these podcasts, don't you, buddy? I, I sometimes find, find the more I tell you about my personal life, the more you and Garth <laughs> worry about. <laughs> We've got a private chat, and we just that's all we do. We just slag you off. It's all right. It's, it's the same as that one, I know. Oh. It's like the family group chat. <laughs> family, except... This took a really horrible turn. Right, let's move away from this. Take over. Right, Chris. I promise yeah. you, we don't have a private chat talking about you. I promise. <laughs> okay? So, we're going to go around, Do you know what will improve your mood, though, Chris? If you say Tag League. I'm World Tag away. League, Chris! World Tag League 2019, buddy! How much of this have you watched? Uh, I've, got, I've got watched about as much as it. I've watched more movies than I've watched 2019 World Tag League matches. Which is one movie, right? I've watched more than one movie. Dude, Thomas and Magic Railroad is the only movie you really need to see. But. Okay. (laughs) I don't really know how to respond to that, Chris, if I'm perfectly honest. I haven't seen it. Is it any good? Um, It kind of betrays the heart of the TV show, but if you can get past that, it's kind of enjoyable. I will put that on the list of things to watch. Um, anyway, so what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is um, it's um, there's absolutely not a chance in hell that we are going to go through each night of Tag League and review every match. It's, it's just... It's because I, I, refu- I refuse as soon as you pitch this to me. It's like, hey, Chris, let's bring back the, world, let's bring back the young lion. I'm not doing Tag League. Yes, That's that, my only that was Chris's response to my text of let's bring back the young lion let's talk more about new japan chris was said he neither yes nor no just simply said i'm not doing tag league um which you know Cause you, okay because because why the fuck will i do tag league you you have watched like the first three days if i'm correct and you've only recommended one match to be fair it's quite a strong recommendation and you're angry at me for not having seen it but still 
Well, what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is we're gonna, I'll run through the pool, um, run through night one, two, and three, any recommended matches, and any story beats as we work our way through to Wrestle Kingdom 14. Uh, first thing to note is that night one and night three had a random match in the middle where Bushi and Naito took on Switchblade and Gado, which meant we had no Evil and Sonata match on night one or night three, and no Gorillas of Destiny match on night one and night three. Um, so make of that what you will. Um, the only thing to note in the Naito matches was that Naito was carrying on his trajectory of being overly aggressive in his ploy to beat the shit out of Jay White. Other than that, Chris, uh, I'll run through the standings then as we stand. So we are recording on the 20th of November. So night four has just happened. Happened yesterday. It's just been uploaded to World today. So I haven't had a chance to watch it because obviously only nights one through three of stream live on World. And then we get back onto our live streaming on the 28th and 29th, which I believe are the next Corican shows. So at the moment, we have got at the top Ishii and Yoshihashi on six points, Finn Juice on six points, Yano and Colt Cabana on six points, uh, Tenkoji on four points, Bullet Club in Kentra Nujiro Takahashi on four points, GBH four points. Dangerous Techers, Sabre Jr. and Taichi, on four points. Jeff Cobb and Mikey Nichols on four points. Uh, Tanahashi and Toa Hanare on four points. Evelyn Sonada on four points. Goto and Fredericks, four points. Suzuki and Archer on two points. Area 51, Bad Luck Farley and Chase Owens on two points. The Gorillas of Destiny on two points. Shingo and Terrible on two points. And propping up the entire pool... Yuji Nagata, Manabu Nakanishi with a record of 0-4 on zero points. Um, first thing, Chris, so night one happened, and to say it was a bang average show would be understatement of the year. My standouts so far, and this really, really pains me to say, have been Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. My cover poster. <laughs> I mean, they have been every night. Their match has been a highlight. Night one, their match with Ishii and Yoshihashi was great. Was easily match of the night. It only got seven, but <laughs> I'd enjoyed so many four and five star matches that I was just I was happy for a match where Ishii and Taichi just beat the shit out of each other for a bit. It was it was a good match. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, Ishii and Yoshihashi won, but there we are. Um, night two. Night two was great because we had the Suzuki Gun tag team match. So we had Suzuki and Archer on one side and we had um, Sabre and Taichi on the other. And rather than any bollocks, Suzuki and Taichi just decided that, oh, we hate each other now and beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. It was brilliant. It started with Archer holding up the United States belt and Sabre holding up his... Uh, Rev Pro Belt and jumping up to try and be the same height as Archer. It was brilliant. Just everything they did. Every strike was fucking vicious. Suzuki, I haven't seen Suzuki look that angry in months and months and months. Taichi was his usual slimy self, but at no point did he pull any punches. It was a great, great match. And yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Easily match of night two, which with nine stars, really, really good match. Uh, there was another good match between Ishii, Yoshihashi, 
Jeff Cobb and Mikey Nichols. Um, easily the best I've seen Mikey Nichols since he's been in New Japan. I think him and Jeff Cobb as a pairing are excellent. They sort of bounce off each other very well. Jeff Cobb makes it look like Mikey Nichols has got a personality, so that's always good. That's very it is. I mean, it, Mikey Nichols is supposed to be mad Mikey Nichols, and I have seen basically mild, mild-tempered Mikey Nichols. I'm, I've I'm, seen so far. I'm a very sad boy, but I'm angrier than Mikey Nichols. We we are all angrier than Mikey Nichols, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, because we have another fucking election coming up. But <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, but yeah, I gave that eight. I thought that was great. Jeff Cobb and Ishii just beating the ever-loving piss out of each other, and then you know Yoshihashi was there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And then the Lij match again, really, really good. I just think it struggled. Obviously, following those two matches, uh, Evil and Sonata going over, I gave that seven. Match three again, it was really a one-match show. Now, actually, I want to talk about <laughs> there was. The main event, which was um, Sabre Jr. and Taichi going over Finn Juice, uh, which was a, another really, really good match. Finn Juice have been excellent, really, really charismatic. I would love them to win this and go on to Wrestle Kingdom 14. Finley has improved exponentially. He's trimmed, slimmed down. He's got new gear. And he just seems to be a lot more at ease. And I know it's easy when you've got a team with Juice Robinson, who is possibly the most charismatic man in the world. But it's just he seems like a new person. I think a tag team title run would be a great jumping off point for Finley, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, who did you pick to win the tag league, by the way, Chris? I literally don't know. Because I know I initially went for Yano and Cabana, um, but then you told me to take it seriously. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I think I, did, I, think I picked Finn Juice. Yeah, um, they've looked very strong. Um, to be honest, I think it's probably a straight shootout between them and then Ishii and Yoshihashi. Do you think, are they your picks because of the story of Yoshihashi? Yeah, there is a story going through, obviously, Yoshihashi having never won a title. Um, yeah, and only being the third best Yoshi. And only being the third best Yoshi, which is depressingly behind Tatsu. Um, but, Tatsu lost the dragon. Well, of course. I, I don't know. I'm, Ishii is carrying the team, obviously, and everyone loves Ishii, so I think Yoshihashi is getting a little bit of rub of that. But... You know, remember when WWE when Dean Ambrose is the most over thing on the roster, so they kept having him tag with Roman Reigns to try and get Roman over? I'm wondering if that is a little bit of what this is. <laughs> just, a, just a smidge. Just a smidge. Just a tag. Uh, I know. Um, Tenzan's ankle con- continues to be an absolutely alarming thing to watch um whenever that man walks to the ring he's walking basically on his ankle bone and it just looks so so horrible um he just needs to stop rest <laughs> he does i mean kojima's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and um kojima can still go um you know tenkoji have had some good matches not great not outstanding you know but then again they are the old guard but their matches are watchable the last year they had the worst rated match in my solo young line career. Oh dear, who's that against? <laughs> well, Naganishi and Nagata. Oh, which well, makes... there you go then. It's Nagata <laughs> and Nakanishi. What did you expect? Nagata can still go. Nagata can, but Nakanishi fucking can't. Nakanishi, I doubt Nakanishi ever could. 
and I was actually looking over Profile DB's list of Naganishi's matches, and like there's nothing above three point two five in their eight man tags. So, <sighs> and he's won a G one climax. Just imagine that for a minute. <sighs> I know. The, the mid two thousands, man. <laughs> Good God. Um, a couple more things, just little observations. Yano and Colt Cabana are unerringly charming, and. I just, I, I want to hate them. I, I, I do want, to, I don't know why, but I just want to hate them. But then they come out and it's just, it's so much fun. It's so fucking different. It's great. Yano refusing to tag him because he didn't want to fight Ch- um, Lance Archer. Really, <laughs> really funny. Um, Yano's bit with Mikey Nichols just throwing the pad at each other. That was really funny. Just just everything they do, they do in such a way that I find it comical. I really, See, really do. People get annoyed at Yano and the G1, like, but that's because it's really serious. And someone like Tag League, like, if you're forcing yourself to watch Tag League, if you're one of those losers, Rod, um, <laughs> like, I can imagine him being an absolute breath of fresh air just because he, he's not just working on autopilot. He's just trying to make the crowd laugh. Exactly. Which... And it can be a chore, World Tag League. And, you know, night one was a bit of a chore. Night three wasn't too bad. Night two was really good. But I don't know. Some of the matches have been have been difficult to get through. Another point I wanted to make about night three was sim- So we had the Suzuki Gun match, which I gave nine stars, and then we had the Bullet Club match, which was f- so different and fucking brilliant. You had Ujiro and Chase Owens opening up, and them just talking. To- right, don't hit me too hard. We're on the same team. Don't hit me. Don't slap me. So Yujiro aims to kick at him and Chase looks at him in absolute horror like, you just kicked me. What did you kick me for? Is it like in um, Captain America Civil War where Hawkeye's like, still friends after this, but it depends on how you hit me. (laughs) But there's a brilliant point where Chase always just turns around to Battle of Folly and goes, he just hit me. Did you see him just hit me? (laughs) It was brilliant. And then Kenta comes in with his belt and just goes, you need to lie down. And Chase goes, what? You need to lie down. I'm champion. That is my order to you. So, just little bits like that. Yujiro trying to distract Chase Owens by having Peter come up and wiggle her ass, and Chase Owens like, no, you've done this before, I'm not getting distracted, and then gets distracted and gets rolled up. Um, Every time Peter, I just imagine the rabbit, but then again, she dresses up as a rabbit, so that also makes sense. Is that why she's called Peter? No, I think her actual name is Peter, mate. Oh, like the bread. (laughs) Um... And then Kenta locked in the uh, game over on uh, Chase. Uh, but just before that, he got Chase up for the uh, for the go to sleep and just went, I'm so sorry, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he locks in the game over on Chase Owens. I know he taps instantly. And then Kenta straight away goes over to Chase. I'm sorry, Chase. I'm sorry, Chase. This sounds like antics you get in the start and tag league, but it does actually sound quite fun. But I've looked at things and like people have gave it dud ratings and stuff. I gave it six. It was fucking great. It was such some, a some people just don't know how to have fun. It it was it wasn't a proper like proper tag team match. It was just bullshit, and I found it really really funny because the dynamics in stables, especially in tag league, the dynamics in your stables and your um, factions are nine times out of ten the most entertaining. And that, that's sort of why, on a, from a separate promotion, I enjoyed Stardom's Tag League, which is because of the weird pairings um, yeah. you got. 
even in the tag teams where he had um fun fact, Arissa and Tam Nakana, who we reviewed last week, just once tired of tag league. Tam is still not massive on Arissa. <laughs> I did see this actually. I did see that they'd won tag league. Is this just the time when everyone does their fucking tag league? Because aren't all Japan doing theirs as well now? Yeah, they just do we just do them at the end of the year. For some reason. And like, to be fair, Stardom has their um Star Grand Prix, like Right at the end of the G one, so I was like, "It's just what Stardom do." <laughs> just we'll pa- we'll just ca- tag on, tag on to the end of uh, New Japan yeah. stuff. Yeah, the Cinderella tournament is like three weeks after the New Japan Cup as well. <laughs> there you go. Works for New Japan. Final thing to note: um, at the end of Goto and Frederick's match on night two, Goto was jumped by Kenta. Now, unfortunately. It's looking like we are going to get Goto versus Kenta, presumably with Shibata in Goto's corner, which is just the most boring final bit of this feud. I mean, you've hyped us all up with the Shibata thing. To then bring in Goto as a proxy, and he'll we, fucking win. We joked about this, didn't we? I know. We joked about a power struggle. But the thing is. Like, there's so much they could have done and have it not be disappointing. You know, Shibata could have brought someone in. Um, yeah. He could have brought in, um, what's his name, Marafuji for a match. I'm pretty sure no would be happy to play a game there. Could, you know, get them some publicity. I, there's just so many things you could have done. And, like, clearly we don't want to put effort into it, which is a shame because this was the most heated thing, at, like, at coming out of the G1 finals. I mean, you're looking at the we're in the we're on the twentieth of November, okay? And yeah. You are not going to have anything at all that is as hot as Kenta versus Shibata. You, if Shibata's not clear to wrestle, Shibata's not clear to wrestle. But I would have held off with the Ishi thing because then oh. it, Kenta has got more beef at the moment with Ishi than he has with Goto. Yeah, I think the only thing with Goto is like Go Shibata's best friend. So I know, but I don't feel like there's any heat in it. it it well, seems no, a bit like lazy booking. There's no heat in anything Goto does. Uh, that yeah. was much Goto at the Greg Sausage Roll at three in the afternoon. What? <laughs> <laughs> Gregs never keep their sausage rolls hot. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, I thought you meant as in taste-wise. I was like, but sausage rolls are nice from Greg's. Oh, they're lovely from Greg's. They're like a hangover. They're like the second best hangover cure after a bacon sandwich. Uh, for our American listeners, sausage rolls are sausage wrapped in pastry, and it is the greatest thing ever. Flaky pastry is the yeah. greatest thing ever. Yeah, but it's a scot- their scotch pies are better, but you know. Don't don't start throwing loads of food. This isn't a food podcast, anyway. <laughs> um, so final bit: Toa Hanare, who's been tagging with Tana. Genuinely, he's been good. He's not been great. He's not been show stopping, but he's been good. He's been solid. And what I was just going to ask you before we moved on is where is Hanare going? Well, hell, like we all are. But um, I don't don't know where he fits. Like, random tag match. There's nothing special about him. I get back and develop. Like, he didn't hit his peak until about five years ago. But... I genuinely don't know. Is it Spear still shit? 
Uh, his spear is better. Like, because before he basically picked them up, hugged them, and put them down. It's like edges, but worse somehow. Yeah, it almost wasn't a spear. It was almost a like a American football tackle. Ever watched the Notebook? It was kind of like that. Of course, I haven't watched the fucking Notebook. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what do you mean? What's wrong with me? The films you haven't fucking seen, and you've seen the I was, Notebook. I was forced to watch the Notebook. At gunpoint. That's what they're calling it nowadays. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's we've got the last three nights of tag league are live and have um, English commentary. There is no final this year. It's just going on points. Thank Christ. So there could be some really, really interesting storylines developing from that final night. I know there are. You can always tell from the final night who is going to be in the mix, and I know that Evil and Sonada, G.O.D., Finn Juice, and Ishii and Yoshihashi have all got fairly high-profile matches. I mean, no one's got Nagata versus Nakanishi, for example. They've all got high-profile matches, so even if they aren't in the running, they can play spoilers. So, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Obviously, next week we'll have more of a rounded view, and we'll be hopefully have more of a picture of what is happening in Tag League. Um, but this isn't the main focus of today's podcast. We have got some more retro matches to look at, some retro Puro matches. And we are going to start this week. Again, same um, format as before. Chris will give me three sort of categories. I'll choose three matches from those categories, and then we'll review them for you after we've watched them. Can we tell them the name of the category he picks? Yes, if you would like to. So there's lean, mean tag teams. Um, strong style invasion. They're kind of boring. But then we have... It's only hot and roll, but I like it. He's so proud of himself, guys. I, I can't begin to describe how happy Chris has been with these. To be fair, like the amount of puns you can, I, you can make on hot is just great. I can't wait for this week's categories. I really can't. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let's start with... We're in New Japan, so let's start with the New Japan match. There's only one New Japan match this time. And for this match, we're going all the way back to 2006. The 13th of August, 2006, to be precise. How old were you in 2006? How old was I in 2006? I was 16. Ooh. How old were you? Nine. You were nine. Nine. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. Um, anyway, G1 Climax 16, the final we are looking at today, which was match eight of this card, and it involved two people who are involved in the tag league, actually. Hiroyoshi Tenzan defeating Satoshi Kojima at 27 minutes and 36 seconds with the Moonsault. So even before, Chris, this match begins, mm -hmm. there's two storylines I love behind this. So you have got Kojima who jumped from New Japan to All Japan. He's just come off the back of a 570-day run as the Triple Crown champion. And you've got Tenzan, who is basically the jewel of New Japan, holding it together for New Japan. And it's this very, very simple storyline of this is New Japan, this is All Japan, we are going at it. I love that storyline just on its own. 
But then on top of that, you have got the fact that Tenkoji are one of the most successful tag teams in New Japan history. I believe holding the tag title seven times. I believe that might be wrong. I will check it in a moment, but I believe it's seven. So matches are so much better when it's tag partners that know each other. And this was... Go on. What's so good about the New Japan system? Because at some point they'll be, um, if they were similar age, they probably were friends in the dojo. So like, yeah. take take the G One finals from like what ten years before this with Chono and Muto. Um, that that match was heightened because the two were in, uh, came into the dojo within days of each other, so it heightened that feud. Exactly, and this feud was was great, and I think the Ryogoku crowd really, really elevated this match for me. And the Japanese commentary, we talk about it all the time, heightened this match for me. It starts with them feeling each other out. And then you've got just Kojima, who is fully embracing this heel thing. He's never been the face in this match. He's from all Japan. He's he's not being the face in this. And he fully embraces that dick head move. He's employing the Anaconda Vice. He's um, employing Chono's STF which was brilliant, additionally because Chono was on commentary, which made that better. And just the fact that he's then just postulating to the crowd and the crowd are absolutely booing him out of the fucking building. Absolutely well, ear-splitting um, chance of Tenzan as well throughout. When when we did the DDT on the apron, and then um, Kojima just went back in the ring and started posing. <laughs> it's in this match that I realised just why Kojima's nickname is Strongarm. Yeah, no, his chops did used to be amazing, didn't they? There was a, there was an exchange where Tenzan is in the corner, and he must have been in the corner for a good two and a half minutes. And Kojima, not the machine gun chops, he didn't employ them here because he didn't want the crowd getting behind him. So he literally just chopped the shit out of Tenzan's Chop. chest. Like Walter Chops as well. I mean, there was a moment where Sweat was literally flying off Tenzan's chest, and he's sitting there slumped in the corner, and they zoomed in on his chest. You know, oh, kinky. Uh, they zoomed in on his chest, and it was just red raw from the amount Kojima more- had worked it. Yeah, it's just gross at times. It was, it it's, was. It's not as bad as PCO versus Walter like, but like, close. <laughs> Um, what was refreshing about this match was, I mean, we've sort of got used to um, New Japan G1 Climax Finals being high, not high flying, but having those ridiculous high spots. Yeah, like when you think the last few years, it's either had Omega or Bushi in every final. So, Well, yeah, I was just going to say, you look at 29 and 28, Bushi's been in the final. So to have and then just... the two years before, um, Omega was in the final, so... Um, yes, 27 and 26. Yes, he was. And Naya. Yes. I mean, to have this witch where there was, what, one high spot, two if you count the superplex? Yeah, um, well, no, the Hurricane Rana, the Moonsaults, and the superplex. I'd forgotten about the uh, the top rope, like Hurricane Rana from Kojima. Where the fuck did that come from? I don't know, but also I'm not complaining. No, absolutely like, not. 
I love the, like, both the main sites and the Hurricane they were surprisingly crisp for the men, men's sites. Well, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, I'm coming into New Japan, and both of these have been the old guard opening eight-man tag dads. And mm-hmm. to see this match where, you know, the crowd are fucking electric for them, especially that ending sequence. Jesus Christ. Definitely. You know what this is the equivalent of? It's like when you see a photo of your dad at, like, a rock concert in the 70s, and it's like... How the fuck is this the same person? Oh my god, you were cool. You no, actually, fucking. So my uncle John, right? I see him as like a really um, nerdy guy. But then when um, I was going out to a gig, it's like, oh, your uncle John needs to go to gigs, and I'm me thinking, yeah, sure, cool, Nana. And he was like, yeah, he went to two in two in a row. It was like Black Sabbath and then ACDC. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember one shed, but it's like a really like big rock, like actual legendary rock bands. I'm like, what the? F-? And you held it out. What the fuck, Nana? <laughs> Your nan sounds mint. <laughs> um, she genu- she genuinely didn't seem to know how massive these bands were. I just, you know, so I met them. What you you did? What? Yeah, <laughs> had his number for ages. Were you fuck it, yes, like with him. What? Don't do it. Don't say that about my man. He's your granddad. What? Um. Anyway, so going well, back man, to the match, wanna... there was one bit, and it really annoyed me. And I know it's a hallmark of Japanese wrestling to have photographers all the way around the ring, but fucking up, we missed this big spot where Kojima's come off the top rope, and presumably Tenzan has either moved or forearmed him out of the air, and I don't know. Because 4,000 photographers had clamoured round him like a seagull round dropped chips. So you'd missed fucking everything. That's the thing. It's, there's very much a case for just having company photographers like WWE does. But also, I think it makes it seem more legitimate when you have actual photographers round the rink. I'm not complaining about the photographers. I love the photographers. But just that moment was just a case of, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, it was like... It's- well, in the um, Vince-Shane match at 17, um, when um, you love having Mick Foley there right to the point where he's standing on the hard cam during the coast-to-coast and says, for fuck's sake. <laughs> placement, Foley, placement! But one time you're angry at Mick Foley. Yeah, literally the only time. Um, so the match continues, and it's not just strikes and lariats. I mean, you've got Kojima employing so many other moves from different variations of using moves from Chono. He's using variations of his own moves. Yes, he's using the Koji Cutter, but he's improving it and trying to win that way. You've got Tenzan kicking out of literally everything Kojima can throw his way because Tenzan can, you know, he's got that added adrenaline because Kojima is his tag team partner. And the same the other way, there was a period just before the ending stretch where Tenzan absolutely dominates Kojima and Kojima just will not die. He will not stay down. The tombstones from Tenzan, like the amount of times Kojima got, uh, like legitimately got dropped on his head is actually quite worrying. Well, that was going to be my next point. There was a Tenzan tombstone driver. And Kojima lands fucking squarely on his neck. Yeah, and also there was a powerbomb where that happened as well. Could, that was Kojima, wasn't it? And sort of like stumbled yeah. backwards and just got nowhere near it. I was like, ah, oh, Tenzan! 
<laughs> to be fair, I keep going back to this. Really, nothing's as bad as the Mayo uh, B Priestley bump from a few weeks ago. Nothing can be that bad. That was that was quite bad. I quite liked it though. I'm not going to lie. You know, if it's, the if fact it's... that no one was hurt, it sort of added to the match. But in the moment, it's like, oh no, Mayo, she's dead. She's fucking dead. Well, that's what I was like here because, like, especially when Kojima's dropped on his neck, I was like, well, that it, that's it. Just no more Kojima. <laughs> no more Kojima. Right, I'm head out. Um, but no, he was fine. Um, Tenzan kicks out of two of Kojima's fucking ridiculously stiff lariats. Um, we then have Tenzan hit a moonsault, Kojima kicking out. He then hits that tombstone Tenzan driver, or the Tenzan tombstone driver, or whatever he calls it. He'd been sort of like doing sit-outs, not sit-out, he'd been doing sort of side slams with it before. He sat out doing this one. And once he'd done that, everyone was like, yeah, fuck it, Kojima's done. One more moonsault, and Tenzan wins the G1 Climax 16. Overall, Chris, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this match. I'm not going to lie. I saw, I, Especially the first half of the match, I was checking my watch a little bit, my phone a little bit. But that ending stretch more than made up for it. Once that crowd got behind them and the action got quicker and you've got Tenzan kicking out of moves, you've got Kojima kicking out of literally everything, and just that ending stretch, I was fully, fully on board with it. I was kind of the same. Like, it's weird because I'm normally, fi- as you can tell from last week, I'm normally fine with slow builds, but like, I was so, I found it weird that we were feeling each other out, seeing how they battled before and also um, they tagged before. But especially since this is the closest they sort of get to a blood feud in Anoki New Japan. But yeah, seriously, when it started going, it's like the best of harsh wrestling you'll ever see. Yeah, it was a really, really, really good match. Nothing out of the absolute extraordinary. Obviously, you had a couple of top rope spots, but nothing, you know, no planches over the top rope, no ridiculous corkscrews, no pit pit cheerios off the barricade or no moonsaults off the fucking lighting rig or anything like that. It was just... Old school, beat the piss out of each other, see who can submit first, see who can be ground down first out of these two fucking resilient bastards. It's definitely a Garth match. Oh yeah, Garth would really... We say this though, and Garth's list of matches that we've gone, Garth, you'll really enjoy this, is growing and growing and growing. What do you think's longer, the list of matches or the list of movies that Garth tries to get me to watch? Well, I think as you've seen maybe five movies in your lifetime, probably the list of movies that you need to watch. I've seen a lot of movies. I've seen all the Harry Potter movies. I've seen all the MCU movies. Oh, you film aficionado. I've seen Star Wars. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> For your sins. Um, I'm stuck between an 8 and a 9, Chris. Honestly, I'd give it a 9 if the beginning did anything. and like it didn't. The beginning didn't really set up anything later in the match. Let's go eight. I mean, Meltzer gave this four and a quarter. So yeah, I think we're not Meltzer. No, we're not. We are far more prestigious than Meltzer. Yeah, obviously. I mean, there's only five people in our Hall of Fame. <laughs> Literally, I looked this up when we did our Hall of Fame last year. About 120 people got inducted to the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame in its first year. I mean, there's a slight difference between the Podmania Hall of Fame and the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Very true. We get. <laughs> You put it to the fans. We did. Um, obviously, then, Tenzan would go on and challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship uh, in October against the champion. Do you know who the champion was at that point, Chris? 
2006? Yeah. Um, October 9th. I'm trying to cross-reference it, because I know Lesnar came in in 2007. So it's before that. Is it... Ch- no, it's not Chono yet. Is it? Is it Naganishi? No. No. Give you one more guess. You're not allowed to look is it, it up. I know. Is it Nagata? No, it was Tanahashi. Oh, oh, it's Tan champion by this point. That was oh, what I the... thought as well. I was like, fucking hell, how is he champion already? How long has this man been going? That's the because I think of like the birth of Tanahashi being the next year's G1 against Nagata, but apparently fucking not. <laughs> no, so Tenzan versus uh, Tanahashi, and Tanahashi would win, run out the winner, so unfortunately this G1 Climax win was for naught for Tenzan. Poor Tenzan. <laughs> To be fair, Tenzan won like three in four years, so like I think he's, I think he'll be fine. In a way, I think Tenzan is synonymous with the G1 climax, isn't he? Really, well, I mean, the same way, like you sort of have like Chono had his era of dominance in the G1, and then you had Tenzan's era of dominance just in front of less people, and then like we don't really have that now. Like I don't remember the last time someone won a G1 more than like within two years of each other. It was a while ago. Yeah. Um... Maybe Okada and Tanahashi. I was just going to say, probably Tana is the one. Um, I just, I was listening to, I don't know if anyone listens to it out there, but um, there's a limited edition post-wrestling podcast called Cruel Summer, where WH Park gets a guest in and does every single G1 Climax final. And... I was actually yes, we do this at some point, but then I remembered we'd have to go watch a Nakanishi match, and I was like, nah, I'm good. I know, but it's all good. You can watch a Nakanishi match when Nakanishi could move. I doubt he could ever move. Yeah, that is a good point. But he was uh, he was saying on that podcast that it's, you know, Tenzan is probably Mr. G1 now, whereas for those people who are watching wrestling now, whereas before it was absolutely Chono. Mm-hmm. No, because Chono won like five. Yeah, I exactly. Think. But those more modern fans, you asked them who, you know, who is synonymous with the G1, they say Tenzan. Listen, but with a lot of modern fans, I seem to find people say Goto just because of the shock in 2016. But then again, the first G1, but like loads of people, like I remember everyone on like Inside the Rocks or whatever talking about was 2017. So like right now we don't really have that definitive G1 person. Well, Tanner won 28. And what was his win before that? Was it 20? For Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom 10. No, it was Wrestle Kingdom 10, so it'd be 24. Five. Yeah. No, 25. yeah, 24. Yeah, because that was, yeah, that was. Yes, that's right, 2014. So he went four years without winning one. You've got Okada who won 22 and... Did he win? 19. Did he win 22? I can't remember. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of this, I'm not going to lie. We really should have got the cage match um, article up before that. We'll find out for next time. In fact, whilst I'm announcing the next match, can you please check which two G1 climaxes Okada won, because I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sure it's 22, but we'll see. We basically just admitted that we don't know what we're talking about. No, you admitted that we didn't know what we were talking about. (laughs) You didn't disagree with me. Um, So, obviously, World Tag League is is happening at the moment, so it would make sense to do a high-profile tag team match. And for those of you who listened last week, and why wouldn't you? We're fucking awesome. Um, you will notice that there was a distinct lack of Stan Hansen on our podcast. 
we, as soon as the podcast ended last week, Rob was like, where the fuck was my Stan Hansen match? <laughs> so Chris gave me the option of having a Stan Hansen tag match. I was like, I am absolutely watching this. So we are going back even further now. We are going back to 1988 and the real world Tag League 1988, night 22 from the 16th <laughs> of December. Very quickly, Okada won 2012 and 2014. So, 22 and 24? Yes. I was right, 22! <laughs> I knew I was right. I knew I was right. I don't know why I doubted myself. I didn't realise he'd won 24, though. So, which one did Naito win? 23 and 27? 23 yeah. and 20... Yeah, 23 and 27. 23 and 27, and then... So, like, Naito's won a fair few, and so's Tan. But, like, none of them have, like, a Chono or Tenzan runner dominance. So. No, no, I'll see what you mean. I'll see what you mean. You know who broke the Tenzan um, run of, do- of um, dominance, Rob? Nakanishi? No, Goto. Fucking Goto. Oh, Goto. Just, just, I just want Dad. it to be more interesting. Is that so hard to believe? Is that so hard to want? <laughs> Can't we dream? Robert. They say that I'm a dreamer. Anyway, um, getting back to 1988 and the main event of that show, which was the All Japan Tag Team Championships decision and the Real World Tag League final. So this was also competed for the vacant Tag Team Championships and it saw Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy defeat Tenru and Kawada at 21 minutes and two seconds with a lariat. You didn't say Lariat properly. Lariat! <laughs> um, that's going to be so hard to edit without clipping on uh, <laughs> the post thing. Anyway. I feel sorry for both your um, girlfriend and my family right now. Because they must be so confused. <laughs> my girlfriend thinks someone's attacking me. Um, <laughs> Chris, this yes. match... Give me your opinion of this, basically, shoot fight. <laughs> no, that's it. But think, when people think of shoot fight, they think, like, Suzuki or, like, Lesnar or, like, you know, like, basically GCW Bloodsport. That's what they think. No, they just fucking... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus fuck. I knew this match... I've watched this match before what, re-watching it for this segment, and I was still fucking cringing. The flagrant disregard Stan Hansen has for people's safety is baffling. Right. So, um, and b- before we start cringing at some of the bumps and um, kicks in this match, I would like to say I really enjoyed the story of um, the veterans always bailing out the young guys. Yeah. Like, Hansen would always bail out Gordy and Henry would always... Um, bail out Kawada and the only time the young guys were on top against veterans was when um, it was set up by the, vet- um, the other veteran yeah exactly and um, it was an interesting dynamic to have as well I thought Gordy was fantastic in this match oh yeah this is to be honest I've not seen a lot I don't watch a lot of territory stuff like I basically watch like I've seen Lawler Dundee um, basically a lot of the like the big Jerry Lawler fights I've basically seen them as about as much of the territories as I've seen yeah. So, like, this is my first proper, and only, like, his old Japan stuff is the only real exposure I've had to Gordy, but, like, he's he's basically a mini Stan Hansen. He yeah. looks like Stan Hansen's intern. I have, I have 
I don't have the biggest frame of reference when it comes to Gordy. And similar to you, I've watched a couple of All Japan matches. And to be honest, I always thought he was overshadowed a bit by Stan Hansen. But here, I thought he came into his own as this fucking arrogant dickhead. Gaff probably knows a lot about Gordy. He probably went to the Sportatorium back in the day. Went to school with him, um... I heard. Just, oh my it... God, this match. Okay, so, first of all, I do enjoy Hansen not having any of Kawada's flashy bullshit. Like, Kawada tries to do a sunset flip, and then Hansen just kicks him. There was a brilliant moment, and I text you this moment. It's, it's not a big moment in wrestling, but I think it's Tenru is got um, Gordy in some manner of submission move. Yeah, and then Hansen just sort of he just meanders in and kicks him, but no, just kicks the shit out of his leg, so he drops a submission. Oh no, because he did it to Kawada later in the match, and it took Kawada out to the entire match. Oh, Kawada was fucked. Kawada was absolutely oh. fucked. And it's such a juxt- it's so juxtaposed to the Misawa Kawada match from a couple, well, like from almost a month ago now. And when you were like, Kawada's an evil bastard, isn't he? And I had this match in my mind when he said that, going, I can't see him as anything but like an injured Bambi. I mean, this match, considering it was both the tag the tag league final and mm-hmm. for the championships. This was a relatively one-sided affair. Yeah, like baby faces would get hope spots in. To be fair, Tenru near the end got a really good hope spot spot in. Get in a lot of good, good match. Um, ah, good moves. That folding power bomb is beautiful. Yeah, um, I agree. Then and then God, he did a power bomb, and Jesus fucking Christ. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, I fucking know. This is what this is what you get, Rob, when you ask for a fucking Stan Hansen match. All right, I can't show you. A Stan Hansen match where you're not relatively concerned for people's safety. Kawada was very, very reliant on his kicks, as you would be if you're Kawada. Uh, and yeah, there was a Kawada. moment where he was kicking the shit out of Stan Hansen's chest. And you could see the moment where Stan Hansen went, nah, I've had enough of this. And he went to power slam Kawada, but he doesn't power slam like a normal person. He picked him up in a <laughs> no. power slam position, then fucking dropped him. No, that's why he just picks them up and drops them. And the thing is, he also does this on the outside. The man has no regard for your safety at all. Are you going to go? Are you really going to go up to Stan Hansen, though, this massive fucking cowboy, and go, well, I, I think you're a bit unsafe there, Stan? He's probably going to turn around, beer in hand, and go, what do you mean unsafe? Smash the beer over the head and go off and fuck your wife. That's just what Stan Hansen does. There was a lovely moment when Stan Hansen was on the outside. One of the very, very few moments where the face team were on top. And I think it's Tenru is attempting to roll him back into the ring by grabbing his trunks. And we nearly saw a lot more of Stan Hansen than we needed to see. We nearly saw Stan Hansen's baby Hansen. (laughs) It was an unpleasant moment where I was like, no, 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 no. But thankfully, the massive black trunks covered it all. Have like the prey that did it that happened. <laughs> um, I thought that the idea of, especially towards the end of the match, of Hansen and Gordy keeping Kawada on the outside by just every time he got up, rolling to the outside and just beating the shit out of him again, and then rolling no, and back the, into the it, ring. And it would always be the leg. Yeah, but they targeted that leg, and that was beautiful. I spoke last week, Chris, about how it 
piss me off doing a limb match where the limb then doesn't feature in the finish of the match or doesn't feature in a prominent way in the match. And that was the issue I took with the stardom match. This, this was perfect. Kawada, what are his main... What, what's his main weapon? What's his kicks? Well, in that case, let's just fuck your leg up and leave you on the outside so you can't do anything. Fucking okay. perfect. At that point, like, like you, again, you wouldn't expect this with the Kawada match we watched a few weeks ago, but, like, such a good baby face in peril. And, like, you were really... Like, I knew what the fuck happened. Of course I did. But, like, as soon as Kawada would be in the ring, you're like, oh, go on, mate. And then Mr. Hansen would turn up. It's like, well, I guess you're going to die. I mean... They just their their thinking was great. It was just there was no overly flashy bullshit. It was just right. We know yeah. Kawada is the young gun of this team. Let's target him, keep him on the outside. We don't need to bother with Tenru. If we target Kawada, take him out of commission, Tenru will eventually have to stop because he'll get tired. And eventually they just wore Tenru down. Because I think it's um with Tenru both Hansen and Tenry were obvi- quite obviously tired by the end. So Hansen was like, well, it's obviously going to be like a hot tag to Collado or whatever, so we'll just eliminate the possibility and have Gordy just stay on top of um, stay on top of Tenry, and then if Gordy's in trouble, I'll just come in, which is what happens. It's, just, it's such great heel work. You, like, it's, this doesn't feel like a Japanese wrestling match. This feels like an old school, this feels like an old school territory match. The fact that this was only 20 minutes is... Ba- I mean, 21 minutes and two seconds. <laughs> it, it, it At no point, you know, like we were talking about the Kojima and the Tenzan match and just that build. This didn't have that. I mean, I no. believe Kawada ended up in the ring post within about 30 seconds of the match starting. So, <sighs> it's it was such a power. I mean, I absolutely... Love this match. I know, yes, I do have a boner for this sort of wrestling. I absolutely love it. I love when a match really excites me, grabs me, and doesn't let me go. And I felt like this, because it wasn't <laughs> your 40-minute epic, which, you know, some of these matches are, I just felt it was like, fuck, it's over. That was great. And the fact that they managed to stuff a storyline into this 20 minutes alongside all this just hossing no, the was- shit out of each other was great. That was Match is great. Um, this is probably my favorite Stan Hansen match of the ones I've seen. Yeah, I agree. Well, we've only seen two. Well, technically, well, technically one, one and two halves. Yeah, I was just going to say technically I have seen three. Uh, didn't mean to, but I have now seen three. So never mind. I'll provide you with the fucking licks. <laughs> yes, and that is how we stop with that. Uh, with that ridiculous confusion. Um, I thought Tenry looked ace in defeat. He looked really good in defeat. At no point did well, he look Well, we had weak. to. Tenry was basically... Well, Tenry and Saruta were basically the aces at the time, so kind of had to. Yeah. I really appreciated his perm as well. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Tenry has such a stoic... Like, not quite Masawa stoic, but a very stoic look about him. Yeah, I'll be honest. He had a strong perm game. Very strong perm game. If you had to compare him to another perm person? Um, I mean, you're looking like at, poodle. like, Harley Race. Ah, uh, Harley Race. I, I, I wish nah, we, this wasn't really I, a perm, was it? It was a fro. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to you next week with that. Best perms <laughs> in wrestling. Maybe that can oh, be our countdown on Saturday oh, for the new Podmania podcast. Sure. 
we still haven't decided on one jesus christ we really need to decide on one and do the research because otherwise it's just going to be 40 minutes of us talking bullshit again you suggested a watch along then and no offense that sounds that sounds awful oh it would be amazing don't lie it'd be incredible but like when we're in blackpool in january that would be fun but like over the internet that's going to be awful oh yeah true just like on an admin side of things it's going to be awful i reckon we could do it i reckon we could do it I reckon we can do it, but I reckon we need more time and a show that's shorter than a Survivor series. <laughs> I was thinking of doing a really, really shit Survivor series, <laughs> making you watch no, it just to hear the... you live go, oh, for fuck's sake. No, that's the thing, because if we're doing it, I'd have to, it would have to be 2002. We're not doing the 2002 Survivor series just so you can go, oh, the Elimination Chamber match. Actually, no, I was more thinking the um, six-way tag match with Los Guerreros, Angle and Benoit, and Edge and Rey Mysterio. That is a good match, to be fair. That is a really good match. Yeah. It's the last thing, Survivor Series 2002 is probably the best Survivor Series. So. Anywho, Chris, we still <laughs> haven't rated the Stan Hansen match. I mean, I know what I'm giving it. Um, I'm giving it a 10. You're giving it a 10? Oh, thank God for that. Because because that's it there's no holes in this match and like and i get like the absence of plot holes doesn't make the great drama but like there's great drama with no plot holes i mean you say that but you had the baby face in peril it wasn't just mindless violence there was that storyline which we've spoken about it had like there's nothing this match didn't have exactly you know other than like flippy shit which like i love flippy shit well osprey is my wrestler of the year but like it's I, I want a bit of everything in my wrestling Jim Cornette um fucking cunt <laughs> well I imagine you can he's been fired or he's resigned from the NWA as of as of about two hours ago he has retired retired resigned from NWA and I imagine the amount of fucks you give about that you can count on one hand that, the thing is, I love NWA, so I can now watch it without thinking, oh, I'm supporting a cunt that I hate. It's a shame. I mean, I, I do see Garth's point of view here. He's, I think he's just an old man who, unfortunately, his views that were... He's a man from another time. He's similar, in my opinion, to Jerry Lawler. You know, his but, time was then... his The way he gives his opinions, just it's not acceptable now. Him and Paul Heyman are very similar ages. I'm like, I'm not being funny. Connor was seen as like an innovator back in this day. With like, um, he was big on like Tiger Mask and shit like that. And the fact, like, for example, he just brought up Brian Zane of wrestling with regret because Brian Zane, independent, like not reacting to Jim Cornette, said everyone, basically said everyone should enjoy wrestling. Imagine someone saying, um, it was a really good analogy. And then Cornette was like, oh. Is that what you think? And blocks him. And it's like, Jesus Christ, are you? is your skin that thick? Um, that thin, rather? Fucking... Chris. Chris. Yeah? Sorry. I don't want to talk about Jim Cornette. I'm sorry, neither do I. We'll exactly. probably talk about it a lot when we some podcasts. Exactly. Exactly. Just shh, 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 shh. Calm down. <laughs> it's okay. Let this happen. Shh, shh, shh. Sun's getting real low. Shh, shh. Anyway... Our third match, then, was... We've cheated a little bit here um, by including a Japanese star in WWE. And... Oh, and it's a 
basically, I was like, okay, strong. I wanted to have it when New Japan stars turn up elsewhere. So, like, I had a Ring of Honor match, a Rev Pro match. And I keep putting that fucking Ishii Keith Lee match in. You never fucking take it. Take it. Like, seriously, it's a, such an underrated gem. Well, if you give if you give me the categories, I will do my best to choose it next time. Chill. The thing is, every time you pick a category that is in, and you still never pick it. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you will soon see why I didn't pick it, because the next match we have is NXT TakeOver Dallas with Shinsuke Nakamura's debut in America, or debut for NXT. And we're going back to WrestleMania weekend 2016 in Dallas, April the 1st, 2016, with Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Sami Zayn at uh, 20 minutes and 7 seconds with the Kinshasa. So a little bit of background to this. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura, obviously huge, huge star in New Japan, had wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom 10 alongside AJ Styles in a fantastic match. Both had given their notice that they would be leaving the promotion the morning of Wrestle Kingdom 10, which apparently the higher-ups did not know about and scuppered their plans entirely. Um, Shinsuke, who was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion in his fifth reign, um, dropped the belt, um, was stripped of the belt, sorry, on January 25th, and he left the promotion on January the 31st. Um, This was his first match in NXT. Um, If you listen to interviews and things about it, uh, Nakamura and Zayn didn't plan this match out. Um, really? This was mostly done in ring. Jesus Christ. Because they move so fast. Before we get to that... That entrance. I was just going to say, I mean, I've I've watched all of... I meant to tell you, I watched Wrestle Kingdom 8 the other day, by the way. Um, hey, yeah, think of it very quickly. Uh, Nakamura versus Tanahashi in the, um, in the main event. Oh, so good. Um, but I've watched a lot of Nakamura entrances his his entrance at 8 with the pole dancers the entrance at 9 with the crown, his entrance at 10 and then his entrance here, just the man is a bona fide superstar he walks to the, I mean you've got Sami Zayn who comes out first and Sami Zayn boy dance Exactly. Sami Zayn, who's face, by the way. It's really weird seeing face Sami Zayn now because he's been healed for so long in the, on the main roster. He comes out <laughs> and he is so fucking over. He listens to Real Big Fish one time. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's so ridiculously over. He's got massive chants going, people singing along with his theme. It's amazing. And then silence. And just you're getting goosebumps because you know what is coming. And the commentary team, which is Tom Phillips and Corey Graves, do a great job because they just do not say a word throughout it's the entire when he, time. When, like, um, it goes black and he comes out during the, black, the darkness and then his name pops up and he does, like, the Michael Jackson sort of um, basically crumpling down. It was... So, holy shit. Holy shit. The man. Like, go on. I just can't express how much I love peak Nakamura. And thing is, this isn't even like peak Nakamura. No, you're looking peak Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom Nine. No, exactly. And like, this is it's, it's when people go, "Oh, well, he's watered down." This is watered down Nakamura, and he's still the most charismatic cunt in the world. 
and puts on what was match of Mania weekend and for many a match of the year. So, well, obviously this was the um, takeover before Wrestle Kingdom thirty two, which obviously had the Leviathan <laughs> main event between Triple H and Roman Reigns, and apparently there were audible Nakamura chants during that match. No, Wrestle Kingdom thirty two, I. Oh, did I say Wrestle Kingdom 32? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. WrestleMania 32. Um, to be fair, that was really good. Um, there was Joe and Bala and Alpha and Revival. So it was like, it was already a really good takeover. There was. And, but this match was the most anticipated. I mean, don't forget, this is Shinsuke who's come off the back. His last match, or his last singles match, was that match against AJ Styles at WrestleMania you know, that- 10. Probably my match of the year that year. Like I know most people go with um, Tana and Okada, but like just because Nakamura was my favorite at the time, it was it was a fucking great match. We'll have to include that in a classic upcoming. But <sighs> okay, so first of all, the cr- the crowd immediately after the entrance just clearly didn't know what to do, which I don't blame them. I think you sort of look at this man who was for so long the jewel in New Japan's crown. He's standing in an NXT ring. And you're right, the crowd just, they just start chanting holy shit because they're like, okay. And don't get me wrong, holy shit and this is awesome are the two most overused chants in wrestling. But never has there been a more appropriate time to start those chants. Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually getting like, shaking with goosebumps thinking about it because I sometimes get drunk and go on these rants about how much I miss what Nakamura was but look at that like go watch the entrance for this match and that isn't even like peak of the peak of Nakamura's charisma he's lost his charisma just he oozed it in this match and this match you want an opponent, you want Sami Zayn, because he's such a ring general that he was able to help Nakamura through this, because it is a completely different style for Nakamura. He was the yeah. king of strong style, and don't get me wrong, there was still a lot of strong style in this match. A lot, a lot of kicks, a fair few armbars as well. So. Um, Nakamura's flying armbar is absolutely beautiful. Fucking finger beauty, fucking Alberto De Rio should hang his head in shame. I mean, for some reasons, but partly beyond that. <laughs> You've got Sami Zayn, like sort of tied up in the ropes, and Nakamura just absolutely leathering him with with blood pouring down his nose because he got busted open randomly. So that made it even fucking worse. He's taking the blood from his nose and licking it and smiling to the crowd. And the crowd are absolutely loving it. Just absolutely great. Me- um, I love because he said I've never I never heard the thing about it being caught on the fly before. And I'm surprised because they subverted so many of Sami Zayn's spots. They did, they did. It wouldn't surprise me if this is the first time they faced off because obviously you've got that partnership between Ring of Honor and um, New Japan, and whether oh, when so Sami Zayn was generico, I don't know. No, that started after. Oh, um, did it? Okay. Zayn yeah, hold on. I'll check, I'll check this up on Cage Match. I'll get back to you on it. Just keep talking about the match. Okay. So the match, again, starts with a little bit of a feeling out process. Nakamura postulating to the crowd, you know, ducking under Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn realizing very, very quickly that he is up against a 
very, very, very scary opponent. And you've got Nakamura with his strikes. You've got the stuff on the outside. It's it's an exhibition of what we now expect from Shinsuke Nakamura. The double knees in the corner, the knees to the outside. There is a lot of the inverted suplex, which I absolutely love, the Falcon Arrow. And Sami Zayn, though, does not lie down. Sami Zayn not lying down and this not being a squash match makes this so much better because you've got... There are several points in this match where you think, oh my god, is Nakamura going to lose? Shit. I mean, Sami Zayn had him set up for the Haluva kick, but just missed. He's hit with the Blue Thunderbomb. It always makes me laugh how into the Blue Thunderbomb people are. Has Sami Zayn ever pinned anyone with a Blue Thunderbomb? Probably not. Um, You've got all sorts. That was the Blue Thunderbomb. Say again? He pinned AJ Styles with a Blue Thunderbomb. When? Um, Leading up to the Rumble in 2017. Did he? Yeah. Shut up. No, really. With a blue thunderbomb? Yeah. To be fair, there was, um, I'm pretty sure there was bollocks from Kevin Owens, so. That, see, that does not count. <laughs> okay, I'll re-edit my statement. Sami Zayn has never pinned anyone clean <laughs> with a blue thunderbomb. Happy? <laughs> to be honest, Rob, I... I, I didn't correct you because I was trying to be a dick. I just thought it was a nice little tidbit. I'm not going to laugh. Dick. <laughs> anyway, anyway, like I was saying, um, Sami Zayn gets that hoax one and he riles. And at this point now, he's going, right, well, if Shinsuke Nakamura is going to fucking kick the shit out of me, I am going to kick the shit out of him. So you had the mirror spot of Sami Zayn being locked in the ropes and Nakamura kicking the shit out of him, stamping on his head and his arms, and then Sami Zayn doing the exact same thing to Nakamura, and Nakamura selling it brilliantly. And then you've got that two minutes in the middle of the match where both men just forearm each other, and you have got both men who are fucking exhausted by this point. It's great. Thing is, I've never seen this done so effective. Because, like, of course, and like Suzuki and Ishii from last year, and like basically any Shibata or Ishii match, we see these kind of exchanges a lot. But the fact that it happened after these two had just gone through so fucking much, like, you just such a simple thing, and like you were on your fucking feet. Like, I remember when I first watched this um, at the time, and I was on my fucking feet watching this. It does what? make me laugh. A moment. I know. I know. What a what a moment in pro wrestling. Shinsuke Nakamura being in NXT. And then to have this match with Zayn is great. He gets up to the second rope, delivers a Kinshasa, off the second rope to the back of Sami Zayn's head, which just looked and sounded grotesque. Um, oh, wow. And then finishes Sami Zayn off with the Kinshasa at 20 minutes and 7 seconds. They managed to fit so much in and make this that pedestal, that jumping off point for Nakamura. Because the moment he came down to the ring, he became a star in NXT. No, yeah, exactly. And but the thing he lives off of, he basically because he did he never had a match this good in WWE ever again. Like, and with good opponents against like Joe and Austin Aries and everyone, so like. He lived off for for a very long time. He lived off the goodwill created because of his match. This is undoubtedly Nakamura's best match in WWE. I mean, there's there's I nothing thought, that comes close. I'd even argue he's in his like top ten, maybe even top five of all time. Like I haven't seen every Nakamura match, obviously, 
get like he he I only came in like two, about a year or two before he left, but oh a year before he left, so from what I've heard from people who have watched New Japan for a long time, are very experienced. They said Nakamura can phone a lot of performances in, which again we've seen in WWE. He phones a lot in now. Three years, exactly three years of phoning it in, but he could pull it out for the big event. I mean, you look at his Ibushi match, you look at his Styles match, you look at his Tana match from Wrestle Kingdom Eight. All three of those matches are stellar and touching. Biokada G One performance at twenty four. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really but, good. What do you shame. give this though, Chris? I I flip flop between eight and nine on this. I'm willing to but, give it nine. I'm willing to give it nine just because of the, the crowd really, really, really elevated this. Shinsuke was made to feel like a superstar, but I think if it was overwhelmingly in Shinsuke's support. I think it could have taken away from the match, but because you've got half the crowd chanting Sami Zayn's name, you've got no, him I defending forget. NXT, I think it's great. People forget how over Sami Zayn was. They do, because he's been so horrifically misused on the main roster. His run going for the NXT title is one of my favourite storylines in all of wrestling. Do you know what, though? How much, how good was it when Owens came down and fucked him up? No, that's exactly. And then that was just so good. Yeah, no, I miss. Like, honestly, like, I know, like, now and then, like, the past few years, NXT's, in terms of match quality, is the best it's ever been. But I miss those, like, early, like, 2013 to 2015 NXT. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It really is. It really is great. As for the aftermath, Shinsuke would go on to hold the NXT Championship twice, winning it off Joe, losing it back to Joe, and then winning it in Osaka at a live show. Um, he'd then go on to the main roster, win the Royal Rumble 2018, and then go on to have a very middling career, even though he is the current WWE Intercontinental Champion, as I, it stands now. I remember when he went up to the main roster, and like, you know, I'm not massive on WWE, but like, they'd have me for pay-per-views because I wanted to see what Nakamura was doing. Like, literally, Nakamura and Styles, that's all I cared about. And so, like, I started, like, I basically started blaming it on his opponents. Like, Nakamura would get, like, Jinder, and it's like, well, what the fuck is he going to do against Jinder, right? Like, what can anyone do against Jinder? But then, like, he has no excuse for those matches with Styles, because Styles can still put on, still is putting on classics in WWE, like, even as recently as, like, this year with Seth, that was a really good match, and then, um, last year with, like, Brian, and, like, the year before, like, Cena and shit like that, like, Styles are still doing those performances, whereas Nakamura just clearly doesn't care, and, like, he wasn't caring when he was being pushed, so, like, it's weird, so I don't, I no longer blame WWE for not really pushing him, because he didn't try, he didn't, he wasn't Nakamura, when he was being put in a world title program. So, like, what the fuck? No, I agree. And it's a shame because if we'd have got Pete Nakamura, he would have been the superstar of the con- of that company and he should have been the WWE champion. In a time when Jinder Mahal held that title for so fucking long and Shinsuke had two bites at the cherry, I'm sorry, he should have been yeah. the champion. No, he had, he had, like, four WWE title matches. He's against had Styles. two against Styles, and he had two against Jinder. I know he had he had Mania. He no with Styles. He had Mania, um, Greatest Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank, back, a Backlash, and Money in the Bank. Four. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I completely forgot about some of those. 
um, understandably, to be perfectly honest. Um, as for Sami Zayn, he went on to the main roster. He'd already been dallying with the main roster anyway, but this was his official last NXT match. He was given a standing ovation at the end after Nakamura had left. Um, and to be honest, went on to be criminally underused. Um, his best matches were against Kevin Owens. I think we can both agree with that. Battleground, oh, what a match. Battleground 2016, absolutely insane. That spot with Kevin Owens landing on the ladder. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> no. No, Goto. Um, but yeah, I'd give this nine stars. I think had there been something on the line and we got this match, this could have been a 10. But obviously with it just being an exhibition for Nakamura, it should really only be an eight, but because Sami Zayn is so good, I think it's a nine. And partly that, and that entrance. <laughs> and God, that entrance. Is, is it the NXT entrance out of that? I can't. I literally can't think of a better one. I think the only one you are going to get that comes close to it is Balor. Yeah, but in very, very different ways. The man came out with a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> that is very true. He came out as but Jack the Ripper at NXT London. I up your bloody wankers. <laughs> oh, that's, speaking that's of Finn Balor, by the way, obviously I've just watched oh. um, Wrestle Kingdom 8. That yeah. entrance with the coffin. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. His match with Ibushi. What a match. If I was going to be in um, the... If I was going to be in the categories this time, but, you know, if you've just seen it, I'll find something else. Um, well, now I've seen most of Wrestle Kingdom 10, seen all of 8, 9... 12 and 13 still haven't seen oh no i have sorry 11 as well obviously um so yeah anything from before that fancy throwing some seven in there feel free oh set the seven match with tanner and oh is that six i can't remember but tanner and suzuki what a match do you find seven the first tanner okada yeah yeah no it was six with um, Tana and Suzuki, because that's like right before the Rainmaker shock. When's Tanahashi versus Muto then? Is that five? I think it is five. I, I don't have it. Like again, I'm I'm pretty lost before eight as well. Like I'm not gonna lie. Um, I think it might be. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we'll we'll get on you matches. And we'll sort out next week. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we will have some more classic matches and we will have our Tag League updates. Um, In the meantime, you can talk to us on Twitter at Podmania. Don't forget, we have been nominated for Best Trio on the WrestleHub Wrestling Podcast Awards. Fuck knows how that has happened. Everyone's got in there, though. Do you know what? It's just nice to be nominated. We can officially say that we are an award-nominated podcast. So, and okay, fucking isn't like something to wrestle with also nominated, and um, OSW's nominated. And Sam, so, like, we're among prestigious company and San Roberts. So. <laughs> um, if you could, we'd really appreciate it if you go onto the WrestleHub's Twitter page at the WrestleHub and vote for us. That'd be great. It is award season at Podmania, so it is time for the Podmania end of year awards. We've got seven categories. The link is pinned to the top of our Twitter page. You can vote as many times as you want, so if you're a little bit undecided, vote for two. It doesn't matter. It's also on our Facebook at Podmania Podcasts. You can talk to me at at RealRobGoodwin. Chris, where can they find you on Twitter? 
No, go duck. <laughs> it's still funny. Um, N-O-O, Goto. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform. You can talk to us. Uh, sorry, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, uh, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, all, and Spotify. Go and find us. We are everywhere you can also find us on oops, sorry you've, you can also find us on youtube at at uh, at real pod mania thank you so much for listening guys we'll talk to you guys again next week